1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Welcome back in, everybody, to another episode of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. As always, I'm your gracious host, Mike. You can find me on Twitter, at IowaMichael. Rocking with me, as always, my buddy, my pal, Adam. You can find him on Twitter, at etm. 4D Chess. What's going on tonight, buddy? How we doing?
1: Mike, what's going on? Dynasty Degenerates. Welcome back into another episode, episode four. We're excited, man. We got uh, some good stuff to talk about here. The whole third D, if you want to call it that. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> We hinted at it the, uh, the last episode that we did, that we were going to spend a majority, if not all of this episode on picking a direction because I believe it is so damn important for you to do as a dynasty manager is to know which way you want to take your team because it's going to influence everything you do and how you construct it so I'm excited to get into it I know you are too like being able to talk about direction is something that we're always always talking to the patrons about and, and pretty much anybody that we talk to dynasty football with like what are you trying to do with your team like we want to understand just like a good investment portfolio what's your end goal <laughs> what are you doing here
1: yeah the, the thing is with the d's you know drafting dealing direction drafting and dealing come first technically in the way that you're going to start your league but once that's done direction is always the most important question the most crucial piece for us we ask our patrons anyone we're talking dynasty with if they have a question for us as far as a trade what they should do with their team first question for me for mike always is going to be what's your what is your direction talk to us about the team talk to us about where you want to go with this team and pick a direction if you haven't
0: absolutely but before we dive too much into the heavy stuff did you have a good time watching football this weekend I mean, man. these were some of the best playoff games I think I've ever seen in
1: my entire life. That was that was special, man. That that Bills Chiefs game was an absolute Madden game. I mean, the, the the final few minutes of that game, it was just ridiculous. Like it was literally like watching real life football Madden rookie style. I mean, I don't even know if on rookie mode in Madden, like maybe
0: if I turn all my sliders all the way up and everybody else's all the way down, <laughs> maybe. I could get a last-second field goal like that in 13 seconds. I I don't know.
1: Maybe. That man, Gabe Davis, put on a show. Obviously, Josh Allen and Mahomes did too, Hill, Kelsey, but, man, Gabe Davis went bananas. What was it I think I saw?
0: It it took Patrick Mahomes less time to get a a game-tying field goal off than it did for Dak Prescott to run a quarterback draw. (laughs) Oh, man. That's harsh, ain't it?
1: All, all the Cowboys fans you just, just you know, you can fast forward a minute or two. Mike's giving you the cowboy treatment again. It, 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 was a, <laughs> it was a hell of a weekend, though, as far as football, man. That was you couldn't ask for more.
0: I thought we were gonna have a uh, another 28 to 3 moment. Uh, technically 27 to 3, but Brady man. almost pulled that off too. But apparently Our boy the...
1: Cam Akers tried to help him get there too.
0: <laughs> apparently the Bucks defense didn't get the memo that Cooper Cup is, you know kind of good at football
1: it's crazy how that happens that late in the game man in, in so many of these games how, how they get things done with that little time on the clock you let guys deep it's just crazy
0: oh it was ridiculous
1: did you uh speaking of it
0: before we uh, move on from it did you get to see any of the uh the mic'd up uh with Travis Kelsey for that I last that did... last drive
1: I didn't man I did not get to catch that
0: I got to see a little bit on Twitter and it was just kind of great listening to him on the sidelines talking with Tyreek about that, that first play that they ran. And he's like, You go outside, you fake outside, just give me enough time to get downfield to get like in the way, you know, so we could pick up a chunk play here. Oh
1: no, no, I did catch this. My bad. I, I wasn't yeah, I did catch this stuff. That's so cerebral
0: of <laughs> oh the way Kelsey's thinking, and then like him and Mahomes talking about that uh the seam route. Yeah. <laughs> And you could hear uh, Mahomes like, "Do it, Kels.
1: Do it, <laughs> do it." Man, it's crazy. You, if they're not home, they can't pull that off either.
0: That is so insane. But
1: I guess that's just the uh,
0: the quick and dirty recap of this weekend. It was it was a heck of a week to be a football fan. You know, I don't got any stake in in the games or anything. I'm just watching as a pure fan, and I had a blast watching those. Let's hope that the uh, the conference championship games this week live up to it.
1: And then yeah. we get a good C- Super Bowl in three weeks. Absolutely, man. It's exciting football. Playoff football is here. That's what's sad, though, is we have Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday, and it's all over. We get the offseason. But that's when we kick in, man. That's when the dynasty you know, really kicks in. The offseason sometimes can be where you really win leagues. I will say, too, because
0: it's such a hot-button topic on Twitter these last few days, don't go buy Gabe Davis. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please save yourself. <laughs> unless, unless they want to give you, you know, like, here, you know, I'll take a late second for him. Like, other than that, just stay away.
1: You, you could almost not be buying him at a more inopportune time. It's just don't do it. It's absolute worst time. You're buying crypto at its peak. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. Absolutely.
0: All right. So let's dive right into it then. Direction. The third D of the 4D chess. Direction, as we kind of mentioned earlier, is just so massive. So generally when I think about direction, it's one of two ways. And I'll get into a third later on as we kind of dive into stuff. But are you trying to compete are you a good team, a legitimate good team, or do you need to rebuild this? And are you just in asset acquiring mode? Like you're just trying to get as much value as possible stacked on your roster. So there's really only two sound ways, in my opinion. Like either you're pushing all in or you're all out. And there's no no real in-between. There, there technically is, but the more i've done that way the more i feel worse about it <laughs> so i'm not going to advocate too much for that third direction but are you in agreement there adam that you need to either push your chips all in or or you know just say this isn't my year i'm not i'm not going to be investing in older players because i don't i don't i'm not going to compete i'm not winning this year
1: yeah on its most basic level i think that you really should Pick a direction of up or down, you know, backwards or forwards. Are you going to go for it this year and try to win the title? Are you an elite contender? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm not right now. The best thing for me to do is just stack value for a year or two or three, even if you want to, and then become an elite contender. The way I think about it is this too. When in doubt, the direction you need to go is if you're not sure if you're a contender, you ain't a contender. Like, if you look at your team and you're unsure, you're not a contender, man. It's time to go the other way.
0: Yeah, most people, when they look at their team, they have a hard time being objective about it. So if you're kind of waffling yourself, you're going to be the one who's going to be, who likes your team the most, right? And yes. if you, even if you can't convince yourself, you sure as hell wouldn't be able to convince anybody else
1: if that you you're
0: an elite team.
1: Exactly. If you can't convince yourself, you're one of those teams that other people are looking like, okay, if this guy's going to send away picks, I want to get those picks.
0: Absolutely. And when we say elite or contender, I don't mean in the middle. Like I, I hope I can sneak into the playoffs or, you know, if things go right for me, I'll I'll be in the playoffs. You know, maybe I'll be a four seed or maybe I'll be a five seed. No one cares. No one wants to be the four or the five seed. You need to be the one, the two seed, you know, maybe the three seed and, and, when you look across your league at all the other teams as they stack up, are you one of those top three teams? And be completely honest with yourself about it. Like one of the things I really like to talk about when we do these team reviews with patrons is is okay. Where's your strengths? Where's your weaknesses? All right. How? Let's start at the quarterback. Super flex leagues. How's your quarterback situation? And sometimes when they're reading them off to me, you can almost tell that it's working in their brain. Like, Oh, this isn't as good as I thought. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he, instead of looking at the team as a whole, we're going to break it down by position. So if you look at your quarterback and your QB two, Sam Darnold, okay, well, how are you going to make that better? All right. So let's move on to your draft capital. We go down to your draft capital. and You don't have any, what's the odds that you're going to make that quarterback situation better? very, very slim. You can, you can possibly down tier a stud, right. And, and maybe pick up a quarterback and a replacement, but overall, then when you look at your team, minus that stud, it doesn't look as good. And you can do that for every position. I think the, probably the least valuable position, and I know you're in agreement with me is the wide receiver position, whether people want to hear it or not, but The reason I can look at a team, if I'm stacked at quarterback, stacked at running back, stacked at tight end, and my wide receivers are a little bit suspect, I still feel good about that because that's the most easily acquirable position in Dynasty. There are so many of them and so many good ones. So if that's my weakest area, I feel a lot better about it than if I'm really crappy at quarterback, one of arguably the hardest position to fill in Superflex leagues.
1: Yeah. And if you have – if you don't have a good second quarterback and you don't have depth as at least something in the QB3 spot, even if it's nothing like a all-time starter, but you have a couple guys in the QB3 piece that are – maybe you're going to get a starting role, Jimmy G, Teddy, Bridgewater's of the world, something like that. Maybe. You could argue the case. But if you don't have two legit starters and depth as – you know, a quarterback three at minimum in superflex, you you better have a lot of depth or picks to make that work if you're going to push towards the contender side. And at the end of the day, if you if you don't have that, if you're not sure, we're gonna we're gonna try to convince you and we're gonna get through a lot of the reasons why we would prefer to go the other direction so that you can actually become an elite contender. Because the worst thing you can do, Mike and I have done this, you know, from experience ourselves, if you push your chips in, on a team that's not ready to contend, you, you can end up with a disaster on your hands. And that th- then you're in the worst place to be in Dynasty, the failed contender, the contender that didn't make the playoffs and doesn't have draft picks. And now you've gifted someone the 104, the 105, the 106. That is the worst place to be in Dynasty. And we strongly would advocate not to do that. It absolutely is the worst place. One, like you mentioned
0: we've been there we've done it i've had a couple failed contenders where it's just miserable like i know i'm in i'm in 9 feet deep of shit and i really got to start shoveling before i suffocate
1: it's and it's turning into quicksand number
0: 2 is those are the exact teams that i try to target to get first round picks from every league every league i want those middle of the road guys who are probably a little too overconfident They're gonna make the playoffs. I want to target their picks because what if a quarterback injury happens, or their their one good running back they have goes down, or their their tight end, you know, you know, god forbid something happens to you know a a player? You know, I don't want to see injuries, but if you've got Kelsey and you're relying on him for his elite production, and your best backup tight end is Evan Ingram, (laughs) what happens if Kelsey goes down? All of a sudden, you don't have that positional advantage. You're staring at being out of the playoffs and being a lottery pick in Dynasty, even though you probably sold me that pick thinking that you were a contender, right? So I got a little bit of a discount, right? Those are the exact teams I like to go after, and I want to target their assets. So those are the two reasons why I can't stand the middle one because I've been there and I failed as a contender, and it's the grossest thing ever. And number two, I wouldn't be targeting those picks if I didn't know what what possibly could happen, right? They wouldn't be the fish, the easy marks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, let let's say we we do this. All right, we're at the point now where you're listening to this, you're hearing us, you're like, all right, let me assess my team and let me pick a direction. Well, we're going to give you, or I'm going to give you at least some of the things, the pushback we hear from patrons or you know, people we talk to that really haven't done the rebuild or are skeptical of the rebuild, some things that you're going to hear from them. And I'm going to pass it to Mike and you you can kind of tell them how how we're going to combat that and why being fearful of these things is kind of foolish. So if you trade a really good player for just picks, what if I miss on the pick?
0: Oh my God. I I hear that all the time. I hate
1: it. I hate it. What what if I completely end up burning Nick Chubb or Tyreek Hill or, player x right like what happens if i do that what, what, what if i what if i burn all these picks and now, now i have nothing to show for for tyree kill
0: speaking of that i don't want to caveat too much but did you get to see that tweet i sent out today i nobody cares about me i don't have a lot of followers but <laughs> besides you so i have to ask you you're my one fan i i,
1: I didn't see it man I, I i didn't see it to tell you the truth but i want you to tell us on air all about it
0: all right so I'll toot my, own, my horn here just a little bit. Let me pull it up, right? So, uh, <laughs> Clue, Dave Clue, tweeted out uh, yesterday that if Twitter had existed 40 years ago, they would have told you to sell high on Jerry Rice after he posted 1,500 yards receiving and 15 touchdowns in the second year, right? I think yep. this is in response to Jamar Chase. Oh, boy. Right? So so I had to pull it up. When was Jerry Rice's second year? Well, it was uh, 1986, I believe. So the first draft class would have been 1987. So this is assuming Twitter, Dynasty, all this exists back in the 80s, back when I was uh, two. (laughs) All right? So this all exists. So (laughs) I had to look up those draft classes, right, and offensive skill players. Because I hear this same crappy argument, you know, what if I miss? Blah blah blah. The point is, Jerry Rice is a stud, Hall of Famer, the goat wide receiver. Correct. That there's no denying that.
1: But absolutely,
0: s- say you could have got three or four first round picks in the next two drafts after that, right? What what the kind of hauls that we're seeing for Jamar Chase right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you could get so much for that. All I mean, right,
0: so you could get you could get three or four, right? Yeah. Okay, so the draft capital you could have got for a Jerry Rice after his second year, a la Jamar Chase, could have netted you. You remember Christian Okoye, the Nigerian yep. nightmare?
1: Yep. All right, yep. in
0: that draft class, could have got him. How about a guy named Tim Brown? Pretty good at football, wouldn't you say?
1: He, he was just okay.
0: Just okay? Just a Hall of Famer?
1: <laughs> he was just a Hall of Famer. <laughs>
0: How about a guy named uh, Sterling Sharp, you know, uh, Shannon's older brother? Gotta like him, man. uh, I think he had a bad uh, neck injury in, like, 94 that made him have to retire early.
1: When I was a little kid, I had a Sterling Sharp jersey, and I wasn't even a Green Bay fan.
0: And maybe you could have got Sterling Sharp with some of that draft capital. Or uh, how about a guy named Michael Irvin? I think he might be good at football.
1: He might be a good
0: wide receiver.
1: All of our Cowboy fans probably liked him.
0: (laughs) Or uh, the best one, I thought. Uh, there's this running back uh, named Thurman Thomas. I think he turned out to be pretty good, too.
1: Pretty damn good.
0: So, uh, yeah, if I was around in Twitter and doing Dynasty 40 years ago, as he had said in this tweet, I would have told you to sell high on Cherry Rice, too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gotten the draft capital, and then I might have ended up with two, maybe four of these guys. And, uh, you know, my rosters would have been all right
1: it turns out McNutted would have withstood the test of time could you believe it
0: uh, i i i'm good in any generation baby i don't know what to tell you <laughs> <laughs> put so, me back in the 1700s i'll I'll, <laughs> I'll do some version of dynasty you know i don't know dynasty tea parties
1: i'm not quite sure the 1700s is ready for McNutted, but point stood <laughs> but so we hear that right we hear you know what if what if we end up getting all these picks and we miss on them.
0: Yeah, you, one you, you don't that? need to make the picks,
1: damn it. Right, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that too. And then some people will say, okay, well, all, my scoring's different, right? Like there, there's heavy quarterback bonuses, or it's points per carry. Like if I trade this running back away, I may not be able to replace him. Or it's heavy tight end premium. It's two points per reception, TEP. Oh no, what if I trade away, you know, George Kittle or, or Darren Waller? How will I ever get these studs back? Well, I mean. Come on. Like you, that's exactly what picks are gonna are gonna get you. And even if you get to that point, who's to say you have to actually take a player at the pick, right? P- part of the bet one of the best things, there's a lot of things we're gonna get into, but th- there's a strategy called quarterback hoarding. Okay. You may or may not believe in the results or you may or not may or may not believe that we should do this or it works. Mike and I have both proven we've done quarterback hordes that have worked. You want to ask our patrons about it? Go ahead. See how many picks I have. And (laughs) I basically hold the future for three years. But all of them. point being, the reason you can do that is there is a limited supply of quarterbacks that matter. So if you can gain an extreme surplus or even a substantial surplus of the quarterbacks that really matter, it puts a lot of pressure on your league mates because there's only so many and there's 12 teams or 14 teams or however many teams in your league. The same concept, actually, it's the exact same concept that applies to future draft capital, in particular, first-round picks, right? So when you start trading for futures, right, when you start trading away players for picks, if you just trade for two additional firsts in the same year that you already have your first, you're now at three firsts. That equals a quarter of the future firsts out there you make another trade and you get an additional three. So now you have four. That's a third of the first round picks in one year. If you really get crazy and you trade a bunch of more assets and you get five additional first in a year, you now have half of that draft class first round picks. The more you do that, the more leverage you have. It's the same principle as the quarterback hoard. So if you get to the draft and you're sitting on a third or a half of the first round, you aren't in the position where you have to just sit there and take players that fall to you at whatever picks you have. One, you have leverage to go get the guys you really want, that you believe, if you're doing the diligence side, the homework, that you believe are going to be the future key studs in your league. And then furthermore, it's also going to put a lot of pressure on the rest of your league. Like, man, if we let this dude get six first, we're all screwed. Like, what do we do? So now all of a sudden, you're sitting on these picks. Everyone's fearful. And you actually, and sometimes, 40 chest style, can move the picks for a, be- for a bigger haul of players or other future picks. So to be just fearful of a pick missing is a mistake. And we're going to try to help coach you through why you should not be afraid of that when you're going to go the rebuild direction.
0: One of my favorite things to do, especially when you choose rebuild, you get so much flexibility, right? Because you don't care about winning. you It's actually antithetical to what you're trying to do. You're trying to be bad. You're trying to get the 101. You're trying to get all of your draft picks to be high, right? Even if you don't want to take the players there the next year, you get more trade value. Like It's just the way numbers work, right? People people will pay more for the 101 than they'll pay for the 102. But you have all these assets, these draft picks, picks and we kind of mentioned you don't have to make those picks you can trade up you can trade down you can trade completely out of them for other assets but one of the things I really like to do if I'm sitting on a lot of picks and I can't get out of them for other things and there may be players in the draft that I don't really like I'm not really looking at sitting there and just taking what falls to me right so if I've got four or five picks and the quarterback that I really want goes before and the wide receiver that I really want goes before. Sometimes I'll pivot mid draft and be like, wow, everybody's sleeping on these running backs. I really don't want these running backs on my rebuild, but if if you're going to leave me all the running backs at picks five, six and seven, and there's only three good ones in this class, I'm going to take them all. Right? So nobody else gets running backs. So now when you want one of these rookie running backs or the hype builds, you got to come to me. Or I'll do that quite a bit with the quarterback position because super flex QB scarcity is one of the easiest things to expose. Like you want the elite quarterbacks, the elite veterans still hold value. But the real crappy veterans like the Carson Wentz's, the Matt Ryans, uh, Jared Goffs, not a lot of people want those. But the next thing, best thing to invest above them is incoming rookies with good draft capital because you know they're going to get – two three four maybe five years of of rope to to show what they got before teams actually give up on them. i mean we talked about in our in our first episode about the uh, quarterback position not a lot of times does a, a qB get the josh rosen treatment you know where you're top 10 and pretty much given up on after one year most guys are like daniel jones who coincidentally is in the news again where they're like yeah we should probably build around daniel jones and we 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 got a good feeling about him and we feel like he he has all the tools i don't know if that's the greatest move but that's what nfl teams are willing to do because they spent significant draft capital in daniel jones and they don't want to give up on him and see him go somewhere else and have success when he could have been leading their franchise
1: yeah absolutely and and Like Mike said, there's so many benefits of rebuilding that weren't discussed in the fearful questions that I brought up earlier, right? The four main ones for me, there's there's several, but we talked about it a lot last episode. Anytime a valuable young player that we all want has an injury, whether it's season ending, three weeks, six weeks, you get to buy the discounted injured player. Then on top of it, this year, for example, you would have had the opportunity to take a discount on everyone that's trying to contend saying, this is a bad class coming up in 22. I just got to get rid of this pick so that I can contend right now. You get to yeah. take that discount, you know, then on top of it, you get to take discounts. Let's get further away. This year example, if you were willing to take a 24 pick this year, you were taking that, you were getting that as an, at an extreme discount. Cause contending teams are like i get to win right now and that picks three years out it's so far away if you're if you're able if you're in a rebuild position where you're able to take on 24 picks as currency you're you're going to get them such at a discounted price and then on top of it you don't have this rigidness where the contenders do where you don't have to worry about keeping the risk of players that are about to cliff i mean especially at the running back position and, and in all positions in general like we've seen so many guys cliff right Ezekiel Elliott, this year we saw go back years past. Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. The list goes on and on. Guys in the elite tier. Even this year we saw CMC get hurt. Saquon Barkley not do what we expected. So you get to potentially get rid of guys and landmines that could cliff. You get to push those off your roster. You get to just accumulate value and youth. And if you do that for a year or two, over and over and over, eventually it's going to be to the point where When you pick your direction, you're going to look at your team and say, man, I got studs everywhere. I get to push my direction now towards winning. And if you're doing it right, you may be sitting on future assets. And now you get to push those chips in the middle, too. And you're going to be at a point where you're overwhelming your league mates and you're absolutely in the elite contention, top three, top two, maybe the best team in the whole league.
0: A good way to look at it too is there's a lot of parallels between dynasty football and NFL teams, right? I'll caveat it and say that there is a major difference because I'm not selling tickets for people to watch my dynasty team, right? My financials, my financials, (laughs) yeah, we don't have to worry about that. My my financials don't revolve around people coming to see me do a dynasty team. It's my investment, mine alone, but. Let me break it down into what I mean. There's, look at the Saints right now, okay? The Saints are one of those teams that just kept trying to compete year after year after year with a fairly good roster, right? But now you see when they come to the end of the rope and they've pretty much just run out of assets, they've run out of value on their team. Now you're looking at a major, extremely long rebuild because that roster is so devoid of talent all over the place. Whereas you have other teams like, I, I know they didn't make the playoffs this year, but Miami, look how quickly Miami took their team and just ripped it completely apart. You know, they traded Mika Fitzpatrick after one year just to get more value assets, right? Yeah. We're not winning this year. He's actually antithetical to what we're trying to do and win. So let's move him. Let's get another first rounder next year.
1: Laramie right? Tunsil.
0: And, and now you're in a position. I this is firing Brian Flores aside. I don't know what the hell that was about, but yeah, they they moved even young assets for future draft capital and a bunch of it. And all of a sudden, that roster sitting there with just an abundance of assets, abundance of value. Now they kind of screwed it up a little bit this year. You can say in the draft, the weird trade. Uh, with Philadelphia didn't make a lot of sense it it was great for Philadelphia it wasn't great for Miami but that's besides the point but that's kind of like the direction you want to take when I talk about rebuild there are some people who can pull it off in dynasty like the Saints and year after year after year they can just try to stay in the mix and stay towards the top but eventually the clock runs out on them and their roster is just completely devoid of talent now The way Adam and I like to approach it, I would much rather go with the Dolphins approach. Like if I know I'm not winning it this year, I'm not the first, second, you know, maybe the third team. All right, I just want to get as much value on my team as possible. I just want as many assets as I can possibly get. And even if that means I have a receiver like Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is at his peak, ship him away. You know, let me try to get two or three or four future firsts or first worthy assets and just keep adding to this. Because at some point I'm going to have so much value sitting on my squad, sitting there ready to either draft rookies in good classes, trade those picks for, you know, maybe a, a, a good player and maybe something else. Um, it, or maybe I can just go all in and go with the, the, uh, the Rams approach, you know, I can go out and try to get the old guys, the gross ones, maybe slightly dis- devalued. Maybe there's another team out there who's ready to rebuild and I can go, hey, I know this running back is worth two firsts. What do you think if I gave you a first and a second? Oh, I think that's probably too low. Yeah, but who else are you going to sell them to? And you want to get off of them like this is the I can set the price, right? I can set the bar on purchasing a guy like maybe Dalvin cook, right? Guy yep. maybe wants two first round picks for him. I think he can help me on a title run next year while I build this juggernaut. I'm going to set the bar, the bar at, I'll give you this first and I'll give you this late second. And this is the most I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, then piss off, like go find somebody else to buy it. There are not a lot of buyers out there right now. Yeah. So and, you, and,
1: Go ahead. And, and that, that, that also gets into the contending side. If you push that way. And, the rebuilding side, right? I was just telling you, if you if you leverage, and you get a bunch of picks in a in a single class, you now have a bunch of leverage when the draft comes about. Now, if you get to the party early, you get four, five, six of the draft picks in a single class before everybody else does. You're the first to the punch, and then another team like Mike's talking about is out there. They finally realize, man, I got to rebuild. But guess what? There's not that many picks to get now, right? The yep. the amount of picks that are out there are limited, and you're on the contending side. That's what Mike's talking about here. Now you get to go to some managers that need to rebuild and you get to say, Hey, you know, I'm interested in Cook. Okay, I want two first. Well, I don't have two first, and I know nobody else out there can give you two first. Guess what? You gotta get you got to get off of him for less, or you're just gonna ride him until he's worth nothing. So you're probably gonna sell him for a first and a second. These are all the microcosms in your league that are really important when you start thinking about what direction you should be going and try to get there early. Absolutely. I can't stress that enough to how, how
0: quickly you should evaluate this and make this decision. You're going to know firsthand in that l- league we're in with Ray and bomb squad. Like it, it seemed in a matter of days, right? You had two teams just go full nuclear rebuild. Yeah. So just like that. Yep. And now, now, now what, what does the landscape look like if you're one of us and you'd like to rebuild? Well, these guys have all the picks and pretty much most of 23 is already spoken for. Yeah. So you really can't rebuild. I mean, I mean, you can try to navigate it the best you can, but all those assets are spoken for. And most of those people aren't coming off those assets for cheap because they just blew up their squad. They just happened to beat you to the punch. So exactly. It is so important to evaluate your team and then make those decisions and start your rebuild. If that's the direction you're going to go, start it early. And it's the same way if you're a contender too, right? You want to make sure that you're beating the other people who want to push all in. If that's the direction that you want to go, you want to beat those other people to the punch. You want to beat them to the party before all those good assets are, are gobbled up by other potential people who are looking to push all in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So and, him
0: and, him and hawing around... And, and, you know, I'll see where I am after week four. I'll see where I am after week five. Like, you got to make that decision early. Like, get after it because yeah. time is not your friend in this case.
1: And that that it, Mike's 100% right. If you can decide to pick your direction sooner than later, now, you should be very careful about it if you're picking the contender side. We, we would not advocate for doing that if you don't have the true win now assets on your team to make the push with your futures. But you're better off picking earlier than later because if you sit there and you're undecided and you're sitting there like this team could compete but it's not for sure. I don't know what what, what do I do with this team? And the next thing you know it's week 8 and you've got four teams that have really picked a direction, right? Now all of a sudden there's yourself and eight other teams, right? So now like you don't know which way you're going to go, you try to you try to go all in, you may be out of the ability to do that as far as teams that are willing to make the trades and also have the pieces. And if you go further and there's half the league has picked the direction, when you decide to pick your direction, it's too late. The win now assets are on elite contenders and some of the picks are going to be on teams that have completely went, you know, for lack of a better term, dog shit rebuild. And now you, you can't get picks and you can't go to the elite contender side. And what happens? You're stuck in the middle. Don't do that. If you ain't first, be last. Ricky Bobby. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. If you ain't first, be last. I love that so much. (laughs) I'm gonna get that on the shirt, I swear. (laughs) I would say I would say too. So as we're kind of I just want to recap where we're at on this. So you're gonna pull up your squad and you're gonna look at it and you're gonna compare it next to all the other teams in your league. And be be objective as possible, you know. Even better, like find somebody you trust, somebody that you talk dynasty with, and and put it out there. Like, hey, what do you think of this team? Like, what's your opinion of it? And be open to what they tell you, because they don't have any stake in it. So if it's crap, they're going to tell you it's crap. I mean, Adam does it to me all the time. I'll send him a team and be like, hey, what do you think of this? Oh, that's horrible. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> this is not a contender. Oh, it's time God. to go rebuild, man. Tear this <laughs> yeah. thing down. Burn it. Throw gas on it.
0: Get out. Get out now. So you're going to look at your league as a whole. You're going to make an opinion of where your team ranks. If it's not in the top three, don't bother. All right. Now it's in the top three. You're starting to look at your squad. How's your quarterback situation? If it's super flex, which is basically everything we talk about, if it's super flex. How's the quarterback situation? You got a good quarterback one. You got a good quarterback two. And how's your quarterback three? You can get by with two. There are people who can do it, and you can piece together the third. I'm not that risky. I, I can't do it. How how do you feel on that front too? Are you a two QB guy? Or are you a three, maybe four QB guy in Super Flex Leagues, Adam?
1: If I'm contending, I I, I want to have three that I feel decent about. I want to have one very good one that's – Hopefully in the top twelve quarterbacks in in dynasty, I, I want to have a quarterback too that is a solidified starter. For my quarterback too, I'm I'm comfortable with a guy that's going to play week in and week out, and is not necessarily a high ceiling guy, but but a floor guy. Like I I would love to have a guy like Kirk Cousins a quarterback too. Someone that's not going to cost me an arm and a leg, but I can but I can count on that's going to give me points in my lineup week in and week out. And then at quarterback three, if I'm contending, I want to have a guy that I know, okay, I have an injury, I have a bye week, I have COVID, I have this guy slide into my quarterback two spot. And it's not perfect there, but I at least I at least can keep this ship going. Like th- that that's how I prefer to have my quarterbacks and on my contending sides. I know I know everyone does it a little different. That's where I like to be as far as my QBs go on a contending team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I would prefer if I could have two QB1s and then just a uh, you know, a guy like a Jared Goff or something like that as my QB3. Yeah. Or or like you said, the the QB1, the solid steady Kirk Cousins type QB2, and preferably if I'm in a contender, I want that same kind of Kirk Cousins guy as my QB3 and then I want to just play matchups. But right. but you can get by with just the the guy that you know that probably isn't going to give you a zero and will be there when you need them. So that's <laughs> your QB three. But so you look at your, your quarterback spot, make sure that's solid. Look at your running back spot. Everybody likes to look, Oh, my running back one is this. Okay. What's your running back two look like? Is this a, uh, a RB one in dynasty? Okay. If it's not, is it a young up and coming ascending guy? And then once you figure out that you got a solid RB two, How's your RB3? How's your RB4 work? Like, because these guys get hurt, right? Or these guys get COVID or, you know, miss a game for whatever reason. So you want to make sure that you have that depth. Just like you have depth at your quarterback position, you want to make sure you have depth at your running back position. Then you go to the wide receivers. And and these are probably, like, the least important ones. Yeah. I mean, usually on my contending squads, like when I'm going in, I want five good ones. You know, if I got to start three, I probably want five, like real solid wide receiver. They don't even have to all be wide receiver ones or like high end wide receiver twos. Like, If I could just get five solid wide receiver threes or above on a contending squad, the way I build my teams, that's fine. That's all I'm asking for. And those guys aren't too cheap, but I want five, maybe six of them. Tight ends. Do you have a difference maker at tight end? Do you have a Kelsey, a Kittle, a Waller, a Kyle Pitts? Do you have one of these elite ones? If the answer is yes, your backup tight end probably doesn't mean as much as long as it's not just some absolute bum. You know, as long as you're not trying to rely on Hayden Hurst to back up Travis Kelsey. Just in case something were to happen, it's not a position you want to be in. Or are you one of these guys who maybe has this these next tier tight ends, the Hawkinson's, the Goddards, the Fants, the? I guess you can, for this year you could have put like Dalton Schultz in there, but uh, Dawson Knox has made his way into this territory as well. Sure. Do yeah. you have those guys? Mm-hmm. And if I if I'm down from the next tier, I want to make sure that my backup is even a little bit more, is better than, better than it would be if I had a true stud, you know, that I'm relying on. So maybe I want a a Gusecki as my backup. I'm cool with that. And then just generally looking at your team to one thing people overlook on these contenders and all in pieces, what do you have left for draft capital? Do you Mm -hmm. have a 22 pick? Do you have a 23 pick? Are you devoid of draft capital? If something happens and you need to go out and buy a quarterback, do you have assets available to go purchase them? I think that always gets negated like, look at this squad. Okay, it's really good with studs. Your depth is kind of lacking. I'm not yes. saying this thing can't win the championship. What do you have for draft capital? Well, I don't have any picks. I traded them all. That's how I built this squad. It's like, well, you're playing a dangerous game here. Though. So if your quarterback yeah. goes down, what are you going to do?
1: Right. And and that's the thing, too. So, like what Mike's talking about, those picks, I think a lot of times, there are a lot of dynasty managers that we'll talk to that, don't quite necessarily consider these picks as liquid currency. Like they think like it doesn't do anything. It can't go in my roster. It's true. You know, you can't put it, you can't put a first round pick in 2022 in your roster this year. You can't put a 23 pick in your roster next year. Okay. But there's points even for a contender where those, those pieces are valuable throughout the year. Like you don't want to just burn to to go to the contending time. You don't, you don't want to just burn your 23 first on anything to get, you points like you want to make sure you're getting the most out of that and if it's not helping you right now make sure you sit on that so that you have you know that ammo in the clip so to speak when when it's necessary to put that into your lineup and the other thing like Mike's talking here is that this is this is very crucial when you're talking picking the direction to go to contending I've had plenty of people come to me with some when you look at their starting rosters like if you just looked at that you're like man this team is ready right Let's say they throw Herbert and Burrow at their quarterbacks and you got like they look like a mob squad, right? You go Taylor, Javante Williams, you go Chase Lamb Jefferson, you know, an average tight end, something like a Higby and a decent flex in there, right? You're like, okay, man, that's star studded like that, 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 that lineup is ready. But then you get to the bench and it's like (laughs) McKinnon, Vaughn, you know. Brian Edwards, Tyler Boyd, Blake Jarwin's of the world, right? And you're like, listen, th- this team, yeah, it's star-studded. If everything breaks your way, that team has an absolute chance to win. If all those guys stay healthy, they all perform as we expect, yeah. But what are, what are the odds? Like, if you haven't played and, and played Dynasty or or Fantasy in general for a while, what are the odds that all your guys stay healthy for the whole year? Listen, it probably, it, it maybe has happened to somebody out there. But, the, but if they all play 17 games now and stay healthy and perform, like you're 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 betting on something that's almost a unicorn. It's not going to happen. So ask yourself, what happens if, we hate to ish will on people, but what happens if Jefferson goes down and Burrow goes down? Man, what are you going to do? Because now you're throwing, you know, random trash in your starting lineup and you don't have a quarterback two plan. As good as that team would sound in theory, you need to be extremely careful about being a contender there. And that's also sometimes like for a team like this, Mike and I would say, you know, what you might want to do is down tier a guy like Chase or Jefferson, try to get some depth. You don't need to have three elite wide receivers, right? So all these things are things to keep in mind if you're going to go on the contending side and making sure you're not going to put yourself in a position where if two or three, two or three things go wrong, you're, you're sitting in just this, man, I'm screwed situation.
0: Definitely. I think one of the underrated things that we've touched on it a few times is that when you pick a direction, you're more locked in to having to follow through. If you pick the contender side where the rebuilder is just so open to so many possibilities. We touched on it last episode with guys like Cam Akers or Travis Etienne and Adam touched on it earlier. You can go buy these guys in season, right? If you're in a contender mode, you're not even thinking about purchasing those guys. Maybe if you're one of these super ridiculous squads, and I know like they've been out there where you're you're gonna dominate for the next three or four years, period. And you may be able to go out and and just in-season spend some draft capital and go get a Travis Etienne even though you're competing this year. But generally, if I'm pushing all in and trying to win, I want to make sure that I'm trying to lock it up the absolute best I can. Right? It's dynasty and fantasy football in general. I think the odds on you getting to the playoffs and making it all the way through in a one-and-done format aren't very good. But any asset I have, I'm trying to use to make sure that my chances are the absolute best, regardless of the kind of squad I built. Like, I'm trying to ensure this the best way I can that I'm going to get through. And on these teams that I'm a contender, usually I'm not a contender for just one year. I'm trying to be a contender for two, three years, right? So yeah. I know I'm setting myself up for a window. If I, if I get unlucky and I don't win it this year... I still have enough on my team. Like my team is still in good shape in 2022 to make this push again. Like I haven't expended every asset possible. I haven't down tiered everything that I should, or my team has so much depth. I just caught a bad brick. I got Alvin Kamara in the finals, you know, from two years ago on Christmas, you know, things like that can happen. So the point is if you're a contender or pushing it in, you're a lot more rigid in general like, there are some outlier situations, but you're just generally more rigid. Rebuilder, I mean, you're a, you're a hippie of the 60s, right? You're free as a bird. You just yeah. do whatever, enjoy the sunshine. You don't care about setting your lineup. You still set your lineup because you're a good dynasty manager, and you care about your league mates. But in general, on most of these rebuilders, I'm just starting anybody who's still alive, Right hey, this guy's. I think he might play this week. Put him in.
1: (laughs) He's got a pulse, you know? He's got a pulse.
0: (laughs) He's not on IR. He's in my lineup. So rebuild gives you that freedom, and it's a beautiful thing to have where you're so free to do all these different kinds of moves. And in general, I mean, we'll get into it a lot more when we dive into how to do some of these rebuilds, but you're just – you're just trying to accumulate assets, whether that's young players or picks. Picks are the easiest thing and the safest investment that you could make, because a pick doesn't get injured, a right. pick, a pick doesn't get cut. <laughs> you know, a pick doesn't drive his car too fast and get arrested. Uh, a pick is a safe investment to make. Yeah, because <laughs> right up until you click draft on that player, it's always going up in value, right to yeah. the moment you hit draft.
1: And like Mike said too, even on the rebuilding side, you, you could have pieces you feel really good about that they 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 take a big hit in value. Picks won't do that, right? So like Mike and I don't believe in really having a lot of our running back assets on rebuilders. We prefer in that build to push those points off of our lineup. So we wouldn't necessarily have this on a lot of rebuilds unless they get hurt, like we discussed. But a guy like Cam Akers, if you had him like we talked about last episode, on your team as a rebuilder, you'd be like, okay, this is an elite asset. And then he tears his Achilles or J.K. Dobbins or any player that put a, a insert player into that mix that you drafted in the second, third round of a startup. Yeah. And you're like, this is an asset that's safe. Well, it's safe unless they get hurt because you can't bank on that. And so that's the flexibility. That's the nice thing about the picks is they are not going to go down in value regardless of what happens to collegiate athletes. And then when you're on the rebuilding side, you also get to take the discount on all those players, right? How many players, a lot of it's timing too. How many players could you have bought this year on an injury discount throughout the year? AJ Brown hit IR for three weeks. You know, there there were plenty of teams that were on the contending side that were really trying to push and find a way to get a guy that they, he wasn't performing that well early, but that they were counting on for wide receiver one, wide receiver two production. You can take A.J. Brown and send them X wide receiver back where before you had no chance to do that had he been hurt. So there's a lot of things that you're like he said, you're free as a hippie, man. You can do what you want. You can kind of capitalize on that value. And a lot of it's staying tapped in and making key trades because of timing. So those are things to keep in mind on the rebuild side.
0: All right. So one of the things I wanted to talk about before we get out of here, just kind of put a nice bow on it is I had a a roster from two years ago, 2020 season, that won a title. And now this I spent the last year just going full nuclear rebuild because it was an older roster. I knew my window was short. I won the league. Time to get out. I'm going to rebuild for free, right? So this team had... Uh, Travis Kelsey, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Robert Woods, Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. Those were like the real main core pieces. So right away, December 30th of 2020, right right after the season ended, uh, I trade away Derrick Henry for a 21 first, 22 second, 21 third. Right. One of the things I like to do on my rebuild is I do want to extract full value for players, but I'm okay if I can just get these older expiring assets off for like 80 90% of their face value. Like Derrick Henry probably should have fetched more. We can all agree that. And yeah. I, don't, I don't remember where this pick was. I want to say maybe it was like 107, 108, somewhere in there. It, it doesn't matter. Either way, I'm just trying to get the older assets off. I'm trying to be first to the party. And trying to get these first round picks because that's what I'm really after. I'm after the first and I'm after the second. So I get Derrick Henry off. I get Robert Woods, Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson all off in a trade. And in return, I take on Brandon Ayuk, Adam Troutman, and three 21 thirds. Right? Sounds gross. People are like, oh, you probably should have got more. At the time, the way Ayuk was being valued and our boy Troutman, RIP to that dream that we had. RIP. At the time, it was a fair enough deal. And I know people will always look at the 21 thirds and go, man, these are gross. But those 21 thirds, that's where you hit the Antonio Gibsons, the Elijah Mitchells of the world, the James Robinsons, you know, those thirds, those fours. And you'll see, I ended up hitting on Elijah Mitchell, which I did quite a bit. So. We'll get to him because I traded him away too. His ass was gone <laughs> gone before the end of the this year coming up. <laughs> yep. Next move was uh, Travis Kelsey sent him away. Got in return Mike Gusecki, a 22 first and a 22 second. I sent away Dalvin Cook. I got DJ Moore uh, in two seconds. One in 21, one in 22. Uh, Cam Akers. I actually traded for Cam Akers. The reason I traded for Cam Akers is because this happened February 4th, so almost a year ago. The price was too cheap. We just saw what Cam Akers had done in the playoffs, right? His hype was just starting to build. Yeah. I got I got Cam Akers for Gabe Davis and a first and a second. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's right? good. Yep. Right.
0: This is before Gabe Davis is now Jerry Rice 2.0. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I got Cam Akers. I trade away Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Alexander Madison. I got two firsts and a second in return. I trade away Zach Ertz. I took two shots on O.J. Howard and Colin Johnson. I mean, two basic zeros, but Zach Ertz at that point is old. I just get him off. Let me try to get some younger assets. I trade away Melvin Gordon for a second. I trade away Mike Davis for a third. I trade away Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Akers on April 1st. So I only held on to Cam Akers for a couple months. And in return, I get two firsts and a second. One of those firsts in 23. Very nice. Just trying to project out the class. Hey, let me get your 23 first as the second one. Cool. (laughs) I don't don't hold on to Cam Akers very long, man. He didn't make a very long appearance on my roster. But that's what you were talking about. The way, the way we do it, like if we're going these rebuilds, I don't want to have those elite running backs on my team because what happens if I wait till, you know, July and then Cam Akers tears his tears the
1: Achilles, Achilles, yeah, right? right. I'm,
0: I'm stuck with Cam Akers at that point. I'm not selling them then. So I trade away Antonio Brown, Brandon Ayuk, a third-round pick. I get in return Paris Campbell, Nico Collins, a 22 first and 22 second. I don't know how much I really like that one, but this is in August. I'm just flipping assets here as much as possible. Uh, I, uh, I acquire Henry Rugg August 21st for Corey Davis. <laughs> that didn't work out so well, did it?
1: No. can't You can't see the future, though.
0: I, I should have just cut Corey Davis. <laughs> it would have <laughs> been the same. Right. Uh, Sony Michelle... I trade him away, get a third and a fourth round pick. Robbie Anderson, I don't know how I did this one. I trade away Robbie Anderson September 9th, and he had been crap already, right? Yeah. I, I got a 23 second and a 24 second.
1: Man, that was, a, that was a steal.
0: I got a 22 second for AJ Green. I traded for DJ Chark after he got injured, and all I sent away was Marquez Callaway, straight up. I trade away Emmanuel Sanders. I get Michael Strawn and a 22 third. I blew all my fab on Adrian Peterson the day he signed with Tennessee. And then the next day, I traded Adrian Peterson for a 22 third. <laughs> right? That's, a, that's
1: all your fab for a third.
0: <laughs> Nicole Hardman and a fourth for me trading away Jared Everett. I trade away Chuba Hubbard for 23 second. I trade away Elijah Mitchell for 23 first. And I trade away Mike Gasecki for 24 first. Oh man, that's, that's lovely. These are all the moves I have made. And on my team right now, just looking at it, I have Mac Jones, Rondell Moore, DJ Moore, Nico Collins, Davis Mills, um, most of this stuff, Miko Hardman. I mean, that's kind of just crap. Troutman still hanging out, still believing. DJ Chark, Paris Campbell, Hunter Long, and Kenny Owangu. Like, those are the only, like, notable. The rest is just hot garbage. But sitting there this year for draft capital. Let me pull that up here. I am sitting currently on. So let's just go the other years. 323 first. seconds, 3.24 first, 3.24 seconds. And then this year, I mean, I have a metric boatload of just seconds and thirds, but I do have a ton of first-round picks. So, man, the website is so bad. Okay. The 101, obviously, team is crap. Yep. The 108. One nine 110 one two one, two 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 211, so on and so forth and then just a, a bunch of thirds and fours. plus all those future draft picks in other years 23 24 like I'm just hoarding as much as I can because I'm hoping that I can just roster with some of these thirds some of these late seconds if I can't trade them to move up in the draft to get the prospects I want, or trade, you know, some of these back end first for other 23 first. However, it works. If I actually have to sit here and take these picks, I'm hoping to hit on one or two Elijah Mitchells. I'm hoping to hit on you know a Chuba Hubbard or one of these guys where in season next year. I'm still not competing. I'm still not ready. I'm two, three years away. I'm hoping I can flip them for a first, a first and a second, something along those lines. You know what I mean? And just keep this train going. Like I may pick up a the 310 and just some random trade as a throw-in. But if it turns into Elijah Mitchell and that 310 then becomes a first and a second and 23, that's a win, a major win. And and I didn't have to do a lot to get it. So when you look at the Derrick Henry trade, actually the the third round pick that I got in there, I think part of it was uh that's where I took Elijah Mitchell at. So, you know, I got that second first back for Derrick Henry. I just didn't know. I had to wait on it a little bit. But Mm -hmm. the general point is, when you do these rebuilds, just just try to get as much draft capital as you can. Because it's the safest thing. Like, I, I love players. I love Mac Jones. I love DJ Moore. I love some of these guys on my roster. But if somebody comes with a good offer for just draft capital, if you want to pay me full bolt for these young guys, cool, take them. Like, when I'm a contender and going to rebuild, I don't need full value. When I'm a rebuilder and you want to come for Mac Jones, you're paying me full value for Mac Jones and then some.
1: Right. And, and the other thing there, you know, you just heard Mike go through all these pieces on his team, how he basically tore everything down. He, he put gasoline on it and threw it on fire. The other thing that he didn't discuss here, which Mike and I have both discussed quite a bit and will can play into your favor in situations like these, If, this is a big if, if you are one of the first to the party of fire sale, right? So what happens is you make the first trade, right? You're a team that just by the look of the eye, this team's in the mix. You know, it could maybe compete. It's right there. And you trade away stud running back at the time, Derrick Henry, right? Like, let's say right now you traded away Dalvin Cook. You, You trade him away. And all you're getting back is futures. But let's just say you get a first and a second for Dalvin Cook, just for hypothetical speaking. That trade goes through. The other 10 league mates that didn't make the trade, they see that. Oh, it's highway robbery. Oh, this, that, and the other. Whatever they say about it doesn't matter. The whole point is they're going to be seeing this and saying, wait a minute, Mike just traded away Dalvin Cook for a first and a second. Oh, look at this. Oh, he, he wants to sell off. Now they start DMing you. Everyone starts coming. Like they smell blood in the water, right? They smell blood in the water and they're saying, let me go get the pieces he has that can help me contend right now. And all of a sudden, boom, that one trade, even if it wasn't the biggest win, you're getting out on 80% of the value, 90% of the value. Now all of a sudden the floodgates can open. You can make two or three deals. And the next thing you know, you've got Dalvin Cook, Aaron Rodgers, Name the older concerning piece that you need to move for value. Those can all happen. Boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, you have three or four picks in a class. And now, like we talked about, you have leverage. You still have other pieces you can move and you're still flexible all throughout the next year or two. So it's really advantageous to do that and be first. And sometimes it can really create a firestorm in your league.
0: Oh, absolutely. It just tends to loosen people up they can smell blood and they want to hop on it like just the sharks are circling. And the best part about that you had mentioned where you just get boom, 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 boom. You get those picks, right? Sometimes you can control an entire draft class and people don't realize it until it's too late. Right. Like you did that in the, uh, the startup. Absolutely. That we were doing, man. The Patreon league, right. All these trades just kept coming through and you're really not paying attention to it, but then you go click on your team and you're like, How's this man own every 23 pick? How how did we let
1: this happen? <laughs> Ta-da.
0: It is one of the greatest things ever, too. The the whole way trade dynamics work, you see that trade go through, you click on it, and people get trade envy, right? Yeah. And especially they get trade envy if they think they're competing, they're not paying attention to their team, they're not doing a critical dive like we're we're asking for you to do. If they're not doing that and they're one of these middle-of-the-road teams, they're like, oh, I can compete. Oh, Dalvin Cook on my team. You know, uh, Derrick Henry on my team. Aaron Rodgers on my team. They get some thinking. Well, let me hit him up. Let's see what he wants. And it may not even be unreasonable what, what, what you're asking for. But sometimes just because of that trade envy, you might be able to get a little more out of it than even you were anticipating. Right? And all because the first one went through. Yeah. To get the first one out of the way, it's the hardest one to do.
1: Gets everybody's blood flowing. And then next thing you know, like Mike said, you're sitting there. You've got you know, three firsts in this round, two firsts in the next year. And the ball's rolling. You've moved off of the older assets, which are worrisome, which could cliff, which could cause you know panic or, or worry to a team that's trying to rebuild. You get off of those pieces. And then all year... You have your later draft picks, all these people that can move and shift in value. And other players, team, other teams on players, th- those players are going to end up moving in value. They're going to get hurt. They're going to underperform. And you have the ability all year to look at peaks and valleys and say, okay, this person's a buy for me right now. You tune into us, we're going to tell you, go get A.J. Brown. He's on IR. The playoffs are about to start. Whoever the Whoever the piece may be, Now you have the ability all year to continue to buy low and try to sell high on players. You do that 10, 12, 15 times throughout the year. You're going to be surprised with what the end result is for you in draft capital. And then with dynasty timing, you hang on to that draft capital, which you bought at a discount. You let the value accrue and then the draft comes around. And if no one's willing to pay you an overpay for the pick, that's fine. You do your homework, you tune into us, you tune into Ray. We're gonna help you make those picks, right? We're gonna help you navigate. Listen, you could trade 109, 112, you move up to 104, you get a little piece back, and you draft this stud. We're gonna help you with all that stuff. And on top of it, if those trade offers are really coming in, you're gonna be there and sitting like, oh man, they they really want all these picks because I have half of them. So do not be the person that fears to make one trade for X player because, man, what if I miss out on all two or three of these picks and now I've just burned the value. If you do the process and you get all the way down to it, you take it down to the bones, there's so many moving parts that that one deal, whether it wins or lose, is not going to be the reason you don't create a juggernaut in two or three years.
0: Now, if you're making all of these transactions, you don't have to hit them on all, on all of them. You hit on 60-70% of them, you're in great shape, right? Because, say I didn't take enough for Derrick Henry, but well, obviously we saw how he came out and played, right? He was worth more than a first, a second, a third. <laughs>
1: he but, started off crazy, yeah.
0: But if you dive into it more, let's look at who I got. You know, let's be more critical of it. At the time, it's like, man, you're not doing enough, but Even if I miss on that first-round pick, like, miss, I could probably still get out of that first-round pick at a later date. Player X, right? We saw it with Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was a back-end first-round pick two years ago and gave you nothing his rookie year. That man was still going for a mid-second plus last year, heading into the season. So you still had an opportunity to get out, even if you missed that badly. And that's just on a back end first. That's not even a, an elite echelon, for, you know, first. We had talked about it uh, last episode with Travis Etienne. You know, it looked like a miss because he broke his foot. And you're going, oh, man, this wasted season, I wasted this pick on the guy. Now you got Travis Etienne, James Robinson tears his Achilles, his value immediately spikes. I see all this talk today about Byron Lefwich being the coach in Jacksonville. I think Ray said it on his wake-up show. I want all the ETN I can buy, right? You see what he did for, for Uncle Len yes, yes. in Tampa. I, I I really believe him just as a pass catching back. I want all the, the – the hype is going to get crazy, right? He, the man went from broke his foot, barely would go in the eighth or ninth round of startups in season to now, I mean – If he goes in the fourth round or the third round, I'm not going to be shocked. I think probably the fifth round is the right place for him to go. But you didn't lose any value. And the man didn't even play down to football. You might even gain value from where you took him in rookie drafts last year. So rookie picks, at least for one year, are generally a very safe investment. If in the worst case scenario, you have to make the pick. If you do your homework, you select the right players, you're probably going to hit on them, but say that you miss and it's the 30% that you miss on, you can probably still get out at 60, 70% of the value that you initially invested in them, like a Jalen Rager.
1: Right. And, and that doesn't hit on, like Mike said, you know, how, how many, if you really do your due diligence, now, granted, there there's still an element of dart throat to it. You could miss on some of those picks, but it doesn't hit on what happens if you hit James Robinson and you're third, fourth round pick, undrafted guy in some leagues, you 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 scoop him up, you trade him off for a first. You know, Elijah Mitchell. I mean, hell, even, you know, you, you get some of these late firsts that people throw away like candy if you buy them at the right times, right? They're saying, I'm a contender. This late first isn't worth much. They're throwing away like candy. You can grab them, right? Like, you can grab at times a Justin Jefferson or a Justin Herbert with some of those picks. And if you hit on a pick like that, where you traded away a borderline first aging asset and you get a late first and maybe something back, and you hit a Justin Herbert, you hit a Justin Jefferson, you hit a guy that takes a surge in value to the top three rounds of startup, that type of value jump is absolutely ridiculous for the value in your dynasty team. So you don't have the opportunity to do that if you're not going on the rebuild side. So there there, there are a lot of advantageous things to being on the rebuild side. And to me, it goes back to this point. I said it at the end of last episode. If you look at your team and you say to yourself, it's close, maybe it's a contender, I'm not really sure. And you look at it and you say to myself, you say to yourself, Javante Williams goes down. Justin Jefferson goes down. Javante Williams goes down. Name the next player. Whatever receiver you want to name. Whatever quarterback you want to name. Just pick two or three of them. If those pieces go down and you have to fill in those depth pieces into those two or three spots, if this team doesn't still have a shot to contend, you should strongly, strongly consider going the other direction or figuring out a way to add depth because – it's just so unlikely that you can get through the season without two or three injuries to key pieces on your team. Think about who all got hurt this year. Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Travis Etienne. Calvin Ridley has mental health, right? I mean, you can go through Darren Waller. There are so many players that get hurt throughout the season. And that's that's just variance. That's that has nothing to do with you. But what it does have to do with you is preparing yourself for what happens when I have to go to my depth. And if you don't have that depth and you don't have those picks, you are SOL and one of the teams that take that took your first for the next year or two is sitting on a gold mine. So because you pushed the contending side, you've now gifted that to them, where that could have been you that went to the rebuild side. So just the reason I say that, I want you to truly. Think about this from a 40 chess perspective and say to yourself, if I go to the contending side, is it is it really possible, is it strongly probable that I'm going to win? And if it's not, am I doing myself a disservice by not going and rebuilding? What type of value can I really get? Have I not tried this? I promise you, if you do it, you have a, a golden opportunity to be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with what your team ends up.
0: I'm fully endorse that. We are lockstep in this, that I want to build my dynasty squads where they're just at the very root of it, the simplest form. I just have more value and more assets on my team than anybody else. I'm free to do what I want. I'm free to go purchase players. I'm free to sell. I can do whatever I want because I just want to have the most assets on my team and the championships always follow. They always do. If a team is loaded with massive amounts of first-round picks and young players, if the manager he doesn't even have to be super competent, just baseline, borderline, run-of-the-mill dynasty manager, if he you hand him that squad, he's going to win one, maybe two, maybe three championships in a five-year window.
1: Yep. And and the last piece I wanted to get in there that I almost forgot to. If you are afraid, like let's say some of those questions we asked earlier, what happens if I burn Tyree killer, X player, Nick Chubb for all these picks and I miss on them. If you're afraid of things like that, those type of questions, man, if you haven't done several dynasty teams, if you think that's scary, let me tell you what's really scary. Let me tell you, what is the worst thing to do? I want you to go ahead and clean up a team that's been orphaned, that someone sent their picks in and has nothing but borderline aging vets or or vets that have aged and fell in in value and you have no picks to clean it up with. That type of a dumpster rebuild is absolutely a million times worse than tearing it down too early and missing on a few draft picks. I promise you that thing right there that is the hardest thing to do in Dynasty is take a failed contender that has just been gutted and has nothing but aging value. That, that That is the worst thing to clean up. So if you're afraid of missing on a few draft picks, afraid of not getting back value for this, afraid of how do I get back the stud quarterback if I trade him away, you, you, you have not cleaned up a dog shit failed contender. One last point. We had a patron on that uh, we were doing a team review with. This is a point that I think is pretty big that you should start considering if you're on the rebuild side or you're going to go that route. You have to detach yourself and become impartial to big names, names that you think you can't trade away. Nobody on your team, I don't care who it is, should be an asset that's untouchable. Making anyone that is doing yourself a disservice. I don't care if it's Patrick Mahomes, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. Name name the elite young asset that you think is just a cornerstone player. Making him untouchable or not trading him away, you're doing yourself a disservice. What you need to do is come up with a value for that player. And it needs to become a numbers game. So for Jamar Chase, let's say it's three first. Let's say for Patrick Mahomes, it's four first. Whatever it is, that's where you get into the 4-D chess stuff. If forget that it's Patrick Mahomes, assess to him four first, Jamar chase, three first X player, two first two first and a second. And if you can trade that player away, no matter the situation and you're getting back more, that is part of the rebuild side that you just continue to capitalize on over and over and over until you eventually are sitting there with a roster that just ridiculous. And your league mates are like, what are we going to do?
0: Oh, it's probably one of the biggest ways that when I look at a team, especially in rebuild, what you just mentioned there is I don't look at them as names, I look at them as what can they fetch me? What's their value? How much am I sitting on? How big of a stockpile do I have? And if I can take one player and turn them into four pieces, and those four pieces add up to one guy on a rebuild, I'm going to take the four shots every day of the week. Every day of the week, because like you mentioned earlier, I may hit on a Herbert. And if even one of those is a Justin Herbert and he's pretty close or pretty adjacent to Patrick Mahomes in value, it doesn't really matter what I did with the other three. (laughs) That's all house money at that point. So I think that's where we're going to leave you. We really appreciate you tuning in, sticking with us this long. In an hour it's kind of hard to kind of get all of this out there, but we're going to keep trying our best to be able to bring you into our mindset on how we're playing the, the macro game. We're not looking at it as micro transactions. I'm looking at it as macro transactions. I'm trying to play the long game. We're trying to play chess, not checkers. Anything else you wanted to tell the fine people before we get out of here, Adam?
1: Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot to say. Uh, I think that was a good one. I think you hit on some good stuff there. We We don't, we don't have you know more than an hour to get into the, to a lot of the intricate details, but we try to bring to you the macro game, and we we have been having some success bringing some of this to our patrons, um, giving them some, some insight, talking to them through their dynasty team, getting more into the micro level of stuff. So if if you are vibing with this and you feel like this is something I want to consider, but I'm not really sure what to do, come check us out on a Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. It's a dollar a month. If you don't want to come, there's no pressure. We're just throwing it out there. If you're interested in some of these things, unsure exactly what to do and how to make it work, come check us out over there. Outside of that, just remember, everybody, if your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess.
0: Absolutely. And the last thing I'll say in regards to that Patreon, it just gives us more chance to have one-on-one time to be able to answer your questions directly. Trying to cram everything that we want to talk about into an hour sometimes is a little rough. We, we, we're we long-winded. We like to give full explanations and our brains are going a million miles a minute. But we appreciate you tapping in, staying, staying with us, rocking with us. And if you made it this far, you obviously are vibing with us. We appreciate you. We love your feedback. Thank you. And until next time, we'll see you later. Peace.